Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Bring in my phone just in case anyone wants to call me and tell me Happy Father's Day. That's in case anybody's on the live stream that is related to me. It's good to see you. Happy Father's Day to you who have better children than me. Uh, no, I <laughs> throw them under the butt. I'm sure they're planning a big thing for me later, but that's okay. It is always good to be here with you, and it's a, it's a, it's a big day on Father's Day, and um, I know that fathers are going, make this short, and, and um, wives are going, stick it to this guy, would you? So uh, I'm not going to do either one, so there. Um, I'm gonna going to continue in the circuitous route through the book of Philippians, which I, in the spring, was asked to, to speak into the Philippian passage, and so... Uh, I know you're kind of, you might get to Philippians or not, but it's all right with you. I'm going to just stay in Philippians. Is that okay? I'm going to stay there even if it's not okay. So (laughs) Philippians, the the fourth chapter is where we're at. Let me ask you a a question just to kind of help frame everything. Think about your life for a second. Think about your relationships. Think about your health. Think about your finances, your future. Think about your children or grandchildren or spouse, every category you can possibly think of. How many of you would say, as you look at that, I have at least one problem? Would you just raise your hand? I just come on and admit it. It's a church. Get at least one problem. Good news is this, this message is for you today. So out of Philippians, the fourth chapter, I think it's on the screen. Is it on the screen? It will be on the screen. There it is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious, do not worry about anything. I mean, one of the greatest threats to us in our well-being is this thing called worry. When you think about it, it it's, it's probably the biggest thing that every one of us deal with. It can rob the joy of our life, like, immediately. I mean, nobody's happy when you're in the clutches of anxiety. It makes us obsess about ourselves. It makes it hard for us to connect with anyone else. It's hard to love somebody when all you're doing is worry, worry, worry. It's all about you. It's hard to trust God. It it kind of erodes our faith. It's hard to step out. Even when you know God's in your life and you you know what God's calling you to do, it's it's hard to just take a risk. It's hard to do what you think you're here to do because of worry. And I think the worst thing about worry is that we never can really just enjoy right now when you're always worrying about what's coming. (laughs) My son is calling me. I was worried. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Did you did I guilt you into it or what? Yeah, I got people texting. <laughs> Good. That's your mom that's doing that. So hey, I'm I'm just like preaching, so don't don't let me bother you. Thanks, thanks anyway. Just go to the mall. I I, I wear like double X and everything. Okay, and, and no tie, please. Thank you. See ya. See? 
Guilt is a great motivator. I'm just telling you, dads, it's a great motivator. You know that because you were guilted to come you know, to church, probably, some of you. But um, worry, it's hard to enjoy the moment when, when you're worried about the future kind of thing. And really, the moment is all we have, isn't it? But some of you live day after day after day after day after day, year after year after year after year after year, never enjoying right now because of what looms in the future. So here's the remedy. It's pretty easy. Don't worry. Let us pray. <laughs> Wouldn't it be enough if that was it? You're, no, no, I'm just kidding, dads. Everybody's getting up and leaving. Don't worry. I mean, it's like you're sitting there going, why didn't I think of that? Don't worry. And what I love about Paul when he says this is, not don't worry about the small things. He says, just don't worry about anything. Remember that list that I kind of gave to you and you're kind of going in your mind, your problem? Don't, there's, there's nothing you could put on that list, Paul would say, to worry about. And you're going, like, what kind of fantasy world did he come from? I mean, this is Paul, the guy who wrote, you know, a lot of the New Testament. He must have been up in the clouds somewhere. He must have been pretty special, you know, in the ivory tower with no issues in his life. No, let me just remind you, Paul was in prison. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He didn't know if he was going to rot there. He didn't know if, if somebody was going to come in and kill him that very next hour or, or the next day. His life was full of beatings and being stoned and shipwrecked and disease and all kinds of stuff. If there's anybody kind of acquainted with problems, it's Paul. And now he's back in prison again. And in that prison, he looks at this piece of paper and writes down something that's going to be for the ages that not only made a difference to the people listening and reading his writings, but now in 2016 on Father's Day, he knew you needed to be reminded, don't worry about anything. Don't, don't waste one more hour of your life in this counterproductive thing called anxiety and worry. So I'm going to answer three questions today. First one is, who worries? Second is, why do we worry? Where does it come from? And the third, what's, what's Paul's antidote to that? So who worries? It's kind of like as, as easy as the first thing. It's Every one of us worries. There's not one of you here that doesn't deal with anxiety or worry. It's just you cope with it differently. There are some of you, you, you worry and you worry and you, you know you worry. It's on the surface of your life. It's on your face today. You brought it in. It's, it hangs right here. You worry and worry and worry. Everyone knows you worry. You know you worry. You, you worry about you worry so much. You worry when you don't worry because you're worried you missed something that you should be worried about. You worry all the time. That's just part of who you are. And there's some of you that are the opposite of that. It's not that you don't have things to worry about. You just pretty much have denied that you need to worry about it. You've trained yourself to not think it's that big of a deal. I mean, there's a, there's a figure in American literature who was perfect at this. See if you, re if you remember who this is. Yeah. What did he used to say? What? Me worry? No need to worry. There's a research done that, that there's a, a correlation with intelligence and worry, that, that if you, if you, those who worry are, are a little more advanced than the average person in intelligence. So some of you, when you don't worry, it's not because you're such a spiritual mature giant. You've got a little dim bulb going on in there is what, <laughs> what that means. 
So some of you just, you know, no worries. I, and then I would say probably a, a lot of us, when we worry, we, we just flip into this self-made mode of, I'm going to handle this. I'm going I'm I'm to deal with it on my own. I don't need God or anybody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control this situation. I'm going to dominate every person, and I'm going to manage every detail, and I'm, this, I'm not, I don't need to worry. Other people worry. I'm going to make them worry, but I'm not worrying. And you go on this, this, this self-reliant mode of dealing with it, this kind of control thing. I, I've done a lot of weddings as a, as a pastor, and at almost every wedding, there's at least one person that fits into this category. They want to control everything, manage everything, dominate anybody that gets in the way. It's called the mother of the bride. That's who that is. Mother of the bride. I was at a wedding one time, and the mother of the bride didn't like anything going on. She didn't like the, the colors they picked. She didn't like the candles. She didn't like the wedding music. She didn't like the bridesmaids' dresses. She didn't like me. She said, I'll replace you unless you get some better shoes. And, and that was my mother-in-law. That, that, was, that was my wedding. There's some of us that just, and that's a joke. That's a, a joke. I want to get a phone call from that. That's a, there are just some of us that just go right to that, that, that mode of I'm going to control everything. But here's what I would tell you. Doesn't matter how strong you are, doesn't matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how much you think you've got everything in control. I've got news for you today. You're not God. And there's going to come a time, no matter how you've, you've tried to manage it all, that it's bigger than you. And you, you thought you put all your worries away, and you, you thought you had it all boxed up. And there'll come a time it's just too big for you, and all those worries will just blast, and, and you will be in this same category. Oh, what do I do? We, we all, somewhere along the line, no matter how we cope with it, deal with anxiety. And Paul said, don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. So where, where's worry come from? Worry is an interesting thing because it, there's an allusion to it. The worry is this. If I can just get rid of this problem or th these set of problems or the problem sitting next to me or, you know, if I can just get rid of that problem... Life will be good. No more worries. You know, there's, there's truth to that. One of these days, you'll have no more problems. The problem is when that day comes. It's called death. You'll be surprised. You won't be surprised, I guess, because you won't be there. But when you are laid out on that slab, how smooth life gets for you. All those things you were so concerned about, gone. But until then, Jesus says, there's enough trouble for every day. So where's worrying come from? There's an there's a expert in the field, a guy named Edward Hallwell, that has an interesting equation. He says, when we have a heightened sense of vulnerability and a diminishing sense of power, we escalate in our worry and in our anxiety. When, when we feel really vulnerable, the more vulnerable we feel, the more that that heightens, and the, the less we think we can do anything about it, the less strength or power that we feel like we have the more it escalates. And then the more it diminishes with our vulnerability, the more our strength increases, the less worry. So look at Paul. Here's Paul in prison, doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know where, what his future holds, doesn't, just kind of just hanging in there, and, and, and he starts to think, 
don't worry. Why would he say such a thing? It's because he could connect very easily a couple of things. One, if you go through the book of Philippians, there's all kinds of themes. The main theme is Christ is at the center, and he would tell you that I am in the middle of the care and concern of God through Christ Jesus. He holds me in his hand, an Old Testament reference. There, there is this love and concern of the Father that, it, that is in my life that, that nothing can penetrate, that nothing can jeopardize. In fact, he'll write in, in another letter in Romans, he'll say a list that pretty much covers everything you can think of. He says, oh, let me think, what, what can separate me from the love of Christ? What can, what can separate me from the care and concern of God holding me in his hands? Can, can danger... Can poverty, can violence, can even death? And then he says, oh, no, no, no. Nothing, I'm convinced, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. I'm only vulnerable when I think somehow I got to face life and face eternity, but I, Christ is with me and he never leaves me. He was convinced in in a very real way that next to him, indwelling in him, inside of him, is Jesus Christ. And along with that, the power of Christ. He says in just a couple of verses in Philippians, a little bit later, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. In a mysterious way, the same power that Jesus Christ had, the same power that he had on the cross when, when, when he took our sins, the same power that that God raised him from the dead in, the, in a way that I don't know that I ever can get my mind around it, but that same power is available to us, that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what happens to us, I've got what it takes to make it through, to stand up through it, to remain faithful and hopeful and even joyful because of his power. Paul don't be anxious about anything. Now, here's what I know about you, because you're the same as me. What I just told you is about enough to keep you for maybe your journey from here into the parking lot in a few minutes. It, you know, you're going to go, well, that, that was really deep, you know, like, okay, I'm going to worry. And until you get in the parking lot and you start, it, it's going to come on you, isn't it? And some of you are going to go, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Some of you are going to go, I told you not to worry. He said don't worry. Why are you worried? Some of you are just going to go, I, I can't believe I'm worrying. And you're going to beat yourself up. And if I thought that would help you, I would say go do that. Some of you are going to go, well, you know, if I just maybe do yoga or, or sprinkle some essential oils on me, I think I'll quit worrying. And I, I, That's not going to carry it either. I just hate to tell you that. There's an interesting correlation that is so important in this. Don't worry about anything. Don't spend another hour in this debilitating thing called worry. Instead of the energy that you're going to give to worry, take that worry and connect it to an earnest prayer about everything, about all your worries. Connect it so that you know how to worry. If you're wondering how to pray, you worry the same way, you pray the same way you worry it. He just says, hey, lay your request before me. That's... That's good, but if you just stop with that, you kind of miss out because 
there's, if there's no difference between prayer and worrying, it's not going to help you any. But he also says, with, with thanksgiving. Throw some thanksgiving in there. Now, what's thanksgiving all about? If I said, okay, don't worry, lay it all before the Lord, connect it before God, and be thankful, you would go here, okay, okay I'm going to be thankful. And here's, here's how most of us are thankful. I'm thankful for my family, thankful for God, I'm thankful for church, I'm thankful for air and water, thankful for air conditioning. And you're going, how does that help me from not worrying? Because let me, let me just expound a little bit on this thankful thing. And maybe you don't need this, but here's, for me, I need a, I need a faith booster in my life. I need something to pump up my faith. This might be disappointing to some of you, but I, and I probably need this more than, than you might assume or I'd like to admit. That those clouds of doubt and those clouds of worry just come hanging over me a lot more than I'd like to admit. And when I lay my request before him and I'm seeking him, I'm trying, there, there's a little cloud that comes over my head that says, yeah, but not your list. <laughs> Come on, Don, you know better than that. What are the odds God's going to do something about that? Are you kidding me? I mean, he might help other people, but he's not going to help you. In fact, Don, what you're dealing with, maybe all the power in heaven can't quite help that thing out. So, I mean, throw a prayer up if you want to. You know, maybe, maybe get someone to pray with you, but yeah, don't expect anything. And I need to boost my faith up with a thankful heart. And this, is what, this is what it means to me. Maybe it'll help you a little bit. Here, I start with all the supernatural activity I can, I can think of that God has done in my life. All the God moments that he's done. And I, I, have, I have a journal that I've listed a number of these. But they're in my head. I start with the day I met Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. The day I got saved from my sins, the day I was walking in the opposite direct, direction from, from Jesus Christ, and I turned around and I came back and he wiped it clean. He wiped my shame, he wiped my guilt, he, he, he took my sin and threw it away and he put me on a different path in a different direction. And he said, you'll live with me forever, forever. I mean, that's about as supernatural as you can get completely without hope to an eternal hope through him. I remember the day I was baptized. I was, I was fairly young, but I remember coming up out of the water and going, I am, I am brand new, fresh, and clean. I mean, I felt, I felt like there was nothing in this world that could take me down. And I felt like I just loved everybody. I felt like no, no problem. I mean, I, can't, I just go back to that. I remember early in my life, like, like God tapping me on his shoulder, like him saying to his son when he baptized his son, well done, you're my, you're my, you're my beloved son, well done. Remember that? I remember when God called me into ministry. I was in college, and I'd, even though I'd made early commitment to the Lord, I'd, I, was, I was not living the life I should have lived. And I, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I was traveling around for the college, a Christian college, and we went to a family camp, and the speaker at that family camp was saying, uh, some of you got like 50% of your heart. You're 50-50, you're, you're half-stepping. And I'm, I'm looking around going, 
I wish some of my college friends were here. They, they need to hear this. And then it's like, if, oh, I'm better than 50-50. And he goes, some of you are like are 75%. Yeah, that's me, like 75% in. And I grew up, you know, and he goes, God doesn't want 50-50. He doesn't even want 75% of your heart. And then he said that he doesn't even want just 90%. He doesn't even want 99.9% of your heart. He wants it all. 100%. And when that message was over, I found myself walking down this outdoor amphitheater in Northern California to a kneeling bench, and I, I, I got down on my knees, and somebody came and prayed, and, I, and I, it wasn't even emotional. I just said, God, I give you 100%. And the guy prayed for me, and he left, and I'm still there because I'm going, I, I don't even know why, you, why would you want 100% of me? I got nothing to offer. I'm surely not known for my, student, my studious behavior. I'm not known for my great Christian behavior. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anything for you. I, I'm afraid to talk to people in public. I, I, and they were singing as people were, were responding to this message. And there was an old song that's, that just kept, they just kept rewinding it over. And, and every time they would come to this part, it was like, it was like God doing this to me. It was this. All I have to offer him is brokenness and strife. And he made something beautiful in my life. And it would come around, and I'd pray a little bit more, and I'd be in my head. I don't have anything. I'm nobody. And here it would come again. All I have to offer him, brokenness, strife. But I'll make something beautiful of your life. And finally, that was all I had to give him. That was it. If you want to use me, God, I, there, I know that I have nothing to offer you but, but this, this junk. And God said, that's enough. If it's 100%, that's enough. And God met me there. I've built an altar in my mind of rocks that stand up that remind me, that's the place, that's holy ground where God took me and started me on a journey that, that's, it's to this day still continuing. I will use you. I mean, I can go through a list of the times he's rescued me, the times that he's strengthened me when, when he was my fortress. I, there, there are times when he broke through for me. There were open doors for me. There were times he made a way when there was no way. There was a time, he, times when he delivered me from temptation that would have destroyed my life, destroyed my ministry. Over and over, God moments that I got to remind myself, there were times, Lord, you spoke so clearly, and even though the circumstances and the problems and the things I'm dealing with are so strong and heavy in my life, still, you did it before, would you do it again? I can go decade by decade. I can go with my families, my family origin. I have so many preachers and Christians in my family. I can go in their stories and be reminded how God worked. I, I can go to church life and re be reminded. I go to McDowell Mountain history life and be reminded of God's faithful provision. Time when we didn't think this church would continue on, that it was over with. And he said, no, no, that's not up to you to decide. We're going on. The time we got this property because of his provision. The time when we raised enough resources to build this building. Those were God moments. Those were moments way beyond my leadership. There were moments way beyond the resources that we had at this church. I, I can go on and on and on. 
And even now, while, while, while there's circumstances are in upheaval and transition, you can worry all you want. I'll tell you this. God put this church for a reason right here. And that hasn't changed. And whatever else changes, he's still in the, in, the, in, the, in the circle of his provision that goes, I've got something for you. I want to show myself for you. If you'll just let circumstances, if you'll just let worries, if you'll just let wondering, and, and death, if you'll let that just cry out, I need you more. You've done it in the past, do it again. I'll show myself strong. I'm convinced of that. You go to the New Testament. If you, if you don't want to talk about your own stories and your own experience, the power of Pentecost Sunday when, when God, with his Holy Spirit, like a rushing wind, shook the place and fire falling on every head and, and people come out, 3,000 people in one day getting saved and this God moment to the early church that says, I'm taking you on a journey. It's going to be up and down, it's going to be up, but I'm with you all the way. And Peter raises a guy from the dead and a lame guy starts to walk and a blind man starts to see and they're in prison, and the doors fly open, and they go free just from the, the release and the freedom of, of Jesus in their midst. Every time the Old Testament guys got together and they are having problems, the leader of the Old Testament tribe of Israel would say, let me just remind you, we're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We're the, we're the people, the God of Abraham, Isaac. Do you know who your dad is? Do you know who your granddad is? Do you know where that's our, that's us? And they would go, oh, my God, ooh, yeah, wow, Abraham, yeah, I remember yeah, Joseph, oh, wow. I mean, God used. And then they, the leaders would say, do you remember going through the wilderness out of, out of the bondage of Egypt? Do you remember that? you remember going through the Red Sea? you remember manna from heaven falling down? you remember water out of a rock? you remember? That's our God. And he would look at him and say, he was that faithful to us in the past. He will be faithful today. The crisis before us, we can still do it. We can make it. It's the same God. And we cry out, God, you did it before. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? Would you do it again? And I lay that before the Lord, and I remind myself, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And then I love this. And the peace of God, which transcends human understanding. The peace of God that I can't even connect the dots with my worries and my circumstances and my problems. I can't even understand, but in spite of all that, the peace of God comes and sets up shop. It, it, he resides in my heart. He rules and he reigns in my head and my mind and my thoughts. That peace of God. How do I... How do I know I, I've prayed through? How do I know I... Here, let me just again be transparent one more time. There are times when I'm worried and I, I just, I'm going to pray and I lay my request before the Lord and I'm talking, I don't want to be vulnerable. I want your power. I'm going to lay it all in. I remind myself, I pump my faith up with everything I can think of and I get up off my knees and I, I have no clue if and when my circumstances will change. I have no idea if they will or when they will. So how do I know? How do I know I've, I've prayed enough? I know I've prayed enough when the peace of God guards my heart and reigns in my mind. When I can, when I can all of a sudden say, I am not in bondage to anxiety. 
I'm not in bondage to my problems. My spirit is free. The peace of God holds me. And you're saying, well, you're like a pastor, so do you like have to pray just once and that's it? And it, I wish it was that easy. There are sometimes I, I pray a few times, and, that, and that's enough. There are times I pray, and I pray, and I pray, depending on the problem, how big it is, my faith, how much it needs to be bolstered, combination of all that, there are times I just pray and pray and pray. There are times I wake up in the morning, and it's there, and, and the, it's bigger than me. And I'm going, God, I'm going I'm to have to do with the Bible. I'm going to have to cast my cares upon you. And even before I get out of bed, I'm casting my cares on him. I'm letting my requests be known. I'm, I'm reminding myself, and I, okay, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I get up, go to the shower, and, and before my feet are even wet, it's back again. Uh, oh, great. That was, all that prayer, that was good for like four minutes of peace, God? That's what I got, four minutes of peace? And I do the whole thing all over again. And maybe I'm, I'm good for until I get to the office or until I, I get somewhere, and all of a sudden somebody reminds me or something or something triggers me. There it is again. There's some days I have to do over and over and over and over and over again. You're going, well, how do you pray that much? Well, do you worry like that? Yeah. Okay, pray the same way. You can multitask. And I don't even know how to, how to tell you this other than it's promised and that I've experienced it. There are times when the peace that's beyond my human understanding filters down from heaven and covers me. And I with confidence say, it's in the hands of God. It's in the hands of the one who holds me and cares for me, the good Father from heaven. And I'm free of it. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Let your request be known to him. With thanksgiving, remember his faithfulness and the peace of God. The peace that transcends all our human understanding will guard, will rule, will reign in your hearts and minds in Christ, in Christ Jesus. I want to teach you a prayer as we sing our last song. Um, I think I've done this with you before. It, it's, it's a Quaker way of praying. It, 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 I do this, and, and I invite you to do, if you feel comfortable with this, take your two hands that are in front of you and, and, and ball them up in a fist and hold them out in front of you. If you want to put them on your lap, can't, if you can't hold, hold a root beer mug as long as those guys did, you, you might have to just put them on your lap. But in, in your fists are your worries, your anxieties, your cares, your concerns. Those, those are the things when I ask you about a problem, you, you identify them and what it does to you and you put them, put them in your hands. And you cast your cares before God. God, it's my family, it's my it's my finances, it's my future, whatever it is. And you open your, your hands up, so your palms are down, and you let go of those things. You let go. And then you take your hands and you turn them back up to heaven. And you receive what heaven has for you. That what you let go of, what you surrendered, you now have room to receive. You can now receive the peace that passes understanding. You can now receive the Savior. You can now receive the reminder that you're in the care and in the concern of your Heavenly Father. You can now receive that nothing is impossible for you. All things are possible through Him. You can now receive the courage 
the hope, the joy, the life that he has. And I practice this over and over again. I give it to you to practice as well. Heavenly Father, thank you on this Father's Day that we can turn to you, our good, good Father. Lord, you know what's going on in our hearts and minds. You know what is turning over, and I would like to just pray a prayer for everyone in this church that you would show yourself strong. I pray that you would provide what is needed, that you would, as they cast their cares on you in whatever category of their life they're casting it, that they would in turn receive from you exactly what they need to go from this place different because their hands are full of your provision and blessing. Open doors. Restore marriages. Heal families. Provide a way. Be a refuge and strength. Give peace. Give wisdom. Give direction. Change hearts. Change attitudes. Make us hungry and hungry for you. And if all else scares the, scare the life out of them with a big noise out of my microphone. In Jesus' name, amen.